Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Faith Brick Church here on this July 4th weekend. It is so good to be together both on-site, online, and even for those of you watching later, on demand as well. Well, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike. I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest joining in with us, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you've been uh, dabbling around for a couple weeks. Either way, just want to say thank you so much for taking time to join in with us this week. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you are on-site, to reach into the seat back in front of you and grab one of the blue connection cards. If you would fill that out, and at the end of the service, you can drop that off into one of the giving boxes as you leave. Also, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a connection card there as well. And when you do that, two things will happen. The first is I would love to follow up with you and thank you for joining in. And the second is we would love to make just a small donation to Cross Ministries just as a way to help hopefully make a big difference in our community as we help fight uh, those who are hungry in our community. So I look forward to connecting with you. Well, today we have a great rest of the service. In fact, in just a few moments, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim, uh, as we wrap up our series called Impact. But before we get there, there's one thing I wanted to share with you first. Um, one of the things that we are passionate around here is that we are a church who help lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And one of the best ways we can have a thriving life in Christ is if we, we are growing in our faith. And as we look to grow in our faith, as we go through the summer, we have great ways to grow in our faith, even for kids, all the way from kids, all the way to adults. In fact, we have camps uh, to do just that. In fact, we earlier this summer, we sent some kids to summer camp. In fact, uh, we have some youth going to summer camp, and we also have camps for adults and families coming up this August as well. And camps are just a fantastic way to not only rest and rejuvenate, but also a time to reconnect with God as well. In fact, we have family camp coming up this August, and this is something you're not going to want to miss out. Even if you are uh, not a full family and you just want to come up yourself, you can do that as well. But family, uh, camp is such a great time to come together. And in fact, instead of me just babbling on, why don't you check out this video? So be honest, who doesn't want to go down that slide into the lake? Am I right? Okay, maybe that would be for the kids. But anyway, uh, if, uh, to register and even to get more detailed information, the best place to go is our Church Center app. You can download this from the App Store if you haven't done so yet. It takes a few moments to set up. And then when you get logged in, you just go down to the bottom screen, click on Events, and you can see Family Camp. That'll have all the information and details and even how to sign up as well. You can also go to our website at faithbrook.church and go to the top of the screen and click on events and find family camp there as well. So I look forward to hanging out with you this summer in August for family camp. And who knows, maybe I'll push you down that slide. Maybe not. <laughs> well, at this time, as we continue in our worship service, we'll have an opportunity to hear a great message. Let's welcome out our lead pastor, Jim. So how many of you are history buffs, especially American history? Anybody here like that? I'm kind of that guy that would stop if I could get away with it on every kind of road sign, you know, family, let's pull over and read this plaque about what happened 100 years ago. But uh, they're like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, but I like American history. In fact, there's a history plaque just around the road uh, up Elm Creek to the dog park there uh, that shares a little bit about this area history. So the other day I took the time and it's like, I'm gonna go look at that, that plaque. 
And uh, I was reading it and it talked about the Scandinavian people 100 years ago that they kind of settled this area and they were from Sweden and they used their uh, Sweden name for a little village that maybe their ancestors were from called Elm, U-L-M. And so they, they called the creek in this area Elm and in English it's E-L-M. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. And there's some pictures and uh, some uh, dates and things like this and and. There was a picture of a church. I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? Just right here, there was this good-looking uh, church. And, and it reminded me how many places in America throughout our history, the church and buildings were so prominent. In fact, a couple of years ago, we had the privilege to go to Virginia on vacation. And there's a lot of American history there. And we toured the first settlement of America, Jamestown, and things were pretty primitive there. They were just trying to, to survive uh, in this new land. And, and there was a couple of public buildings, a school, the blacksmith shop. But one of the most prominent, important buildings was, of course, the church. And we had to go in there, and, and those really old, old churches always had the pulpit really high. And I got to climb up there, and it just kind of reminded me and how important the church has been in American history. In fact, uh, through my years, I've noted if you go to even rural Minnesota, go to a small town, the tallest building or the highest steeple was always the church. It seemed throughout our national history, the church was the place where the society, the locals gathered, whether it be for a social, but really to just um, hear how to do a democracy and freedom well. Our forefathers realized if we were going to let the people have freedom, democracy, then there would have to be an underlying understanding and how we function as a, a civil uh, and, and a people of, of kindness and civility. In fact, I think in that Jamestown area, I'm sure that they all came together, and that preacher was not only telling them that we will survive another winter, but it was like, hey, if we're going to function here, then we got to learn not to, to kill each other, steal from each other, cheat on each other, not to commit adultery, these founding uh, tenets of Christianity just to do civilization well. And these churches through the years seem to have a great impact on society and uh, the culture. Well, do you think that is true today? Do you think the American Christian church is making an impact on society today? And even is Facebook making an impact? Well, speaking of impact, that's a really important word for myself and for this church. Uh, asking ourselves, are we making an impact? We're, we're always inspired by the words of Christ uh, out of Acts 1.8 that says, When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be empowered to be my witnesses, um, my examples, my hands and feet and my voice to be my witnesses. And, and he also says you're going to be my witnesses right here in your hometown, the, the local area of Jerusalem. And then to the outers of different cultures and people in Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. And the way we like to say it around here in Faithbrook is that we want to make an impact uh, personally, uh, locally, and globally. Now, last week, we, we had an example of how Faithbrook partners with several other churches and the Church of Nazarene to make a global impact. And because everyone is giving to support missionaries around all these churches and all these 
um, members of churches. We can support over 500 missionaries that are on the front line. And because of that, we're making a global impact, 165 different world world areas from feeding kids and offering medical help to preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And two weeks ago, we talked about how we personally are called to make an impact, to make a difference. And we use the example of a boat, that when boats go through the water, they, they send out waves, or they call them a wake. And those waves and wakes bump into other boats or eventually get to the shore. And we ask ourselves, you know, if you're a boat and you have a wake, what kind of wake are you making? Uh, is it, are you impacting people who are like, wow, that, that, that wasn't fun. Uh, that didn't feel good. Or are you a wake of love? That when people feel your personality, they feel your heart, that there's a blessing, uh, there's an infusion and a, and, a, and a positivity in, your, in their life because you came by and you made a difference in their life. Well, the, today we want to talk about the third one. And we specifically waited for this weekend, this 4th of July weekend, and how God, if we are Christ followers, uh, wants us to make a local impact. And one of the best examples of Christ and his church or his followers in those days was the great famous miracle of feeding the 5,000. In fact, all the Gospels have this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we're going to jump right into the first Gospel of Matthew and look how Matthew recorded it and see how God calls Christ's followers to make a local impact. So this is how uh, Matthew recorded it. <clears throat> When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, what Matthew is referring to is Jesus got the, the news that his cousin John the Baptist had ticked off the, the government, the king there, King Herod, the tyrannical. He called him out about his adultery, and he didn't like it. Eventually, uh, John the Baptist loses his life, and so Jesus is impacted by this. And uh, he wants to go process this, and there's the, the Sea of Galilee, gets in a boat with the disciples, so let's, let's get away, and let's just go on the other side, there's not much out there, it's kind of desolate. And so there he goes. However, the people, hearing that, hey, Jesus, that, that guy that's healing people, that he seems to do miracles, he teaches with authority, he's going to be on the other side in the desert area, uh, let's go find him because we have some needs. So the crowds followed him on foot. They, they walked around the Sea of Galilee. And when they got on the other side, here comes Jesus with his boat and his disciples. And he sees this large crowd, this society, this, this, this culture, basically. And, and looked at his reaction. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, I don't know about you, but... Maybe my, my flesh would have said, oh, my goodness, I'm trying to get away from the crowd, right? I, I want to deal with some of the emotional stuff that's on my heart. And it says he had compassion on them. He felt for them because he saw their affliction. He saw their sickness. Now, in those uh, very primitive days, there was a lot of physical ailments and afflictions. Uh, they didn't have the luxury of modern medicine, and there's people crippled and diseases. And, and Jesus just went right to work and said, you need healing, you need teaching, and, and, and ministered to those people because he had compassion on them. Does the church, if you see yourself as a, a church person, a, a Christ follower, do we have compassion 
on the people who are afflicted and, and sick. Now, today, I would suggest to you that, that because of modern medicine, we, we don't have just flocks of people uh, hurting physically. Definitely, there are some uh, physical sicknesses out there. But I would suggest to you that in our land, in our local area, people are dealing mostly with <clears throat> emotional afflictions. Uh, emotional sicknesses and mental problems and maybe relational issues and all the way to uh, financial stresses to physical needs, absolutely. The question is, do, do, do we see the affliction in our local area today? Do, would, would we category, uh, categorize some of our neighbors and communities as, as sick? Some people would say yes. In fact, there was an <clears throat> author, Charles Murray, who wrote a book a couple of years ago called Coming Apart, just looking at America and society and what it's about. In fact, he, he researched the last five decades of America change and wrote this book, Coming Apart, saying that because of some of the uh, conflicting topics and issues, America seems to be losing things. In fact, it might be even coming apart. He identified hot-button issues like abortion debate, uh, gun violence and politics, the separation of church and state, race issues, uh, drug use, and the human sexuality debate, that all these have, have brought warring groups together. And before you know it, that there is some hostilities. There is tension. And people are fractured. Families are divided. And there's protests in the street. And there just seems to be an unrest and uneasy and a lot of anger out there. And some would classify as our society and our, even our local areas as sick, afflicted, hurting. And here Jesus sees compassion on them. And so he stops what he's doing and kind of puts his, his needs to the back and he goes to ministers to these people all day. He must have been ministering and teaching, loving, healing, helping. And so Matthew says in the evening, approached, the disciples came to him and said, uh, this is a remote place. <clears throat> it's, it's getting late. And send the crowds away, Jesus. These people are going to be hungry. So they can go to the villages and, and buy themselves some food and take care of themselves. And, you know, our day is done. Uh, we, 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 they're hungry and they're going to get grumpy and we don't have any food. And we don't want to deal with them and, and send them the way. And I would su suggest to you that this is very tempting for churches and Christians today. That when we look at uh, the needs of our society and maybe the differences from convictions and values, we're just like, whoa, uh, we don't want to deal with those people. They don't think like us. They don't read like us. They live in different ways. And so let's just send them away. Let's not uh, engage in them. If they got some physical needs and, and some financial needs, we always have the government. The government can help them out. And, and they can be messy because their families are not like our families. Maybe their, their background is not like our background. And so we, we rather just kind of send them away. Jesus says, just, let's not deal with it, right? And I've noticed through the years that there's always been a tension for those that, that claim to be Christ followers. What do we do with culture? What do we do with our local society as we see changes and maybe some definitely some divisions and, and differences? What, what do we do that? Do, do we run from culture? Uh, do, do we uh, um, hide from culture or do we engage culture? Uh, do we war against culture or, or do we speak into culture and try to maybe uh, impact culture or, or change culture to some degree? 
And throughout history, Christians have wrestled with this. And we, we look to scriptures, and, and maybe we take some note uh, from the words of Christ in a prayer. In fact, it, it's helped me through the years. We, we catch up to Christ in John 17. He's by himself praying. He's coming to the end of his ministry. He's going to eventually ascend back up to heaven. And so what he has left is this ragtag uh, group of, of Christ's followers that said, we're, we're in, help us. And so he starts praying for him. He, he's in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. He's praying for himself. He's praying for the disciples. They're going to go through some dramatic things with him going to the cross and resurrection. He, and he's praying for us. The future of the church, he's praying. And one part in this prayer, in verse 5, he, he says this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, that should tell us something if you are a Christ follower. That Christ is not praying that, hey, let's go to the mountains, and we're going to have this little Christian um, settlement up here, or find a cave, and do not engage with any of the culture, and all that kind of stuff. No. He says, I'm praying that you don't take them out of the world, not at all, but you protect them while they are in the culture. Protect them from the evil one. And you might, you might not believe this, but I do believe that there are some evil agendas. I believe there are forces and principalities out there that <clears throat> want to harm, kill, steal uh, our souls and, and uh, uh, divide families and morality and et cetera. And so he's, he's praying for protection. I know more than ever, uh, young families are trying to navigate uh, what do, do they do with cultures, especially the schools. I This last week, I had a couple of conversations with young families, and, and they're worried about you know, what's happening in society. What should their kids watch, and who should they hang out with, and, and what are the, the public schools teaching? Should they homeschool? And, and it's a wrestling match. It, it's tough, and, and it's in that, in that category of protection. He's praying that we would be protected, but he didn't say leave the world. Now he noted on, he says that they are not of the world, even if I'm not of it. Uh, so if you have come to the point where you realize that you need Christ in your life, that your identity switches from being just a citizen of the United States or in this world, that your citizenship is now in Christ Jesus, that you are now a new creation in Christ for what he did on the cross for you. So your identity and a lot of times your thinking changes it, and it starts filtering through who Christ is, that we are his children, um, his Holy Spirit can live within us. We start realizing that uh, greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world. And so our identity is not so much in our achievements or what the world thinks of us, that our identity is now in, in Christ. And he goes on and prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Now, the word sanctify is to make them holy, basically. Set them apart, that they would be truly authentic, all-in Christians. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. So one of our identifying uh, characteristics of a sanctified all-in is that our, our moral compass, our guideline is the word. And if there's uh, um, decisions to make and reactions to make, and then we're filtering it all through the word of Christ. It's our anchor. It's, it's, it's our rock. And so here's, this is his prayer. And as he sent me, he says, me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's key. 
right there. That should tell us that we're not running away from the world or culture, but he wants us to engage the world, engage our local area, engage the culture. For, I, and for then I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Right there, Christ is counting on his disciples. He's counting on his people who claim to be Christians to, to make an impact, uh, to redeem a, a broken, afflicted world, um, to do this personally, the people that we interact with at work or our families or our neighbors that make an impact globally, but especially make an impact locally um, you know, a lot of times the church has not always had a good reputation of being uh, the source today. Uh, churches a lot of times have been in a defensive position. Uh, how dare you? And we shouldn't. And, and there, there's definitely some understanding there. I think one of the challenges that the churches need to do more in a secular environment, a non-Christian society these days, is, is not so much preaching against uh, preaching what we're against, but what we're preaching for, uh, we have to make the extra effort to say to them, we, we, we love you. We, we care for you as Christ cares for you. I, I really appreciate the, the principle, the quote by John Maxwell, people don't care how much you know until they know that you care. And I think a lot of times the church is like, man, we know the truth. You need to know the truth. You need to live by the truth. But the people outside the church are like, okay, you might have some truth, but do you care about my afflictions? Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, man, you got some, you got some diseases over there. You're lame. Let's get over there and let me tell you about all this truth, right? You're right and wrong. You're a sinner. No, Jesus said, man, I can tell you're lame. I can tell you got a disease. Let me, let me help heal you first before you hear this truth that everyone needs. So how are we doing with that? How are you doing with that as a, as a Christ follower? Are we as a church making an impact that people know we love them, that people know that we are for them? So, so let's continue in this story of this feeding the 5,000. Jesus replied when they said, hey, send them away. He says, they do not need to go away, he says. You give them something to eat. Oh, you give them something to eat. I'm, I'm sure they're like, there's like 5,000 people. We don't have any food. Are you, are, are you kidding me, right? You give them something to eat. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm also not only a, a connoisseur of American history, but I, I'm a connoisseur of food. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, there's something about food. Yes, sir, right? Mm, it nourishes us physically, but it nourishes us emotionally. It's a good thing, amen, right? And, and Jesus is, is saying, man, you give them something good to eat, right? You know, it's, it's not on accident that Jesus equated himself as the bread of life. Uh, bread is life-giving. It's nurturing. Uh, does the church and the word of God have anything nurturing and good for people that would help them in their life? It's not just a matter of you're a sinner and you need to get right with God and go to heaven. But is there other principles and, and tenets and uh, promises that help us in our everyday life? Does the word of God help us when, when we've been hurt and uh, to deal with uh, forgiveness and understanding? Is there anything to help us to do with civilization, how we function and, and how we give people the benefit of the doubt and give us some moral boundaries to help us raise kids and great marriages and, and be people of blessing and, 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 and life versus just harshness and damnation? 
I think this is what the church was offering society 100 years ago in America when we wasn't as civilized and we didn't have as high as taxes and a lot of huge government over-regulation. They were, they were, the soup kitchens wasn't down at the welfare office. The soup kitchen was down at the local church. It was the Christians that were putting up hospitals. It was the Christians that were building colleges. It was the Christians that were helping the, the poor and needy. It wasn't the government. That this, this influence is through the, the church. And I think Jesus, this is what he's saying. You, you Christians, if you claim to be a Christian, you give them something to eat. Don't, don't, don't just say, hey, go away, you messy people. You help them. Well, look what, look what the, the, the Christians or disciples said. Oh, oh, Jesus, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Now, I have to confess, that's a lot of times what I, I think a lot of times. When I, I look at the mass of people in our society, uh, just, the, just the other day I, I heard that Dayton, uh, Minnesota, is the second fastest, large, uh, fa- second fastest growing city in the state. Uh, just hundreds of people are building houses and, and moving in. And, and a lot of times I'll go, like, well, Faithbrook doesn't have much, Jesus. You know, we don't have, we're not a mega church and our, our budget's not that much. What, what, what can, can we do? And when I turn on the news, it's so overwhelming. There's just darkness and problems and, oh, my goodness, things are not going well. And, and, and what can we do? We're just a little church on this corner, right? That's how the disciples were, were thinking, right? Well, we only have five loaves and two fish. What we can do? And look what he said to them. Here's the key friends. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. And here's the good news, my friends. When we bring our little resources, what we have, and we filter it and we give it to Jesus, Jesus can do the amazing. Jesus can multiply. Jesus can do the... You you, you bring it to me. It's, It's not how big your church is and your resources and what you can do and teach and all that kind of stuff. Man, you just bring whatever you have to me and let me show you the miracle, the supernatural. And so uh, Matthew continues to write, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Okay, I'm sure the disciples are like, I, I, I don't know how he's going to do this. We just got the little bitty lunch, right? And he takes the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gives thanks, and he broke the loaves. He gives it to his God, his Father. And then he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the people. Now, this is also key, too. He says, here, boys, here you go. Here's, here's the loaves and fish, and you start doing the work. So many times we want Christ to do the work. We're like, you fix the people, and you heal the people, and you change people out there, and we'll just go over here in our holy huddle and just pray and read the Bible, study, right? And Jesus, I know, what, what are you doing? You get out there. I've given you the, the principles. I've given you the resources. I've given you my spirit. You go and be the hands and feet, and you impact these people. Start distributing this and see what happens. And sure enough, one of the most amazing miracles happened in world history and, and of course, in the Bible. And, and, and it said to them, the next verse, they all ate and were satisfied. And disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I, I'm not sure why that was such a detail, but Matthew recorded that. I, maybe Jesus and his Father God were snickering and like, I'll just show you how, how blessed I can give you, that there's going to be 12 baskets of leftovers. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. More than that, it could have been uh, you know, um, 15,000 uh, people there. But God did an amazing miracle. What can this tell us? What, what, what can we learn? That God's heart is that 
we are proactive, that we need to go, we need to serve, we need to be his hands and feet, if you will. We need to influence the best we can, and, and we can invite and help and pray for people. And, and before we know, we are making an impact. We are making a difference. I think when you look in the word, you, you look at words of Christ, like in the, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the first things he says is that you are salt and light. You're a city on the hill, and that city cannot be hidden. When I got into Christianity, I, I remember just struggling with my local church sometimes. They just seemed to have such a defensive kind of posture of society. And they were always whining and complaining about, look what the society's doing. Can you believe those people, what they're doing, all that kind of stuff. And, and so it just became this bunker, hunker kind of mentality, right? It's just us, you know, us few. And, and I was like, wow, that doesn't make sense. I think Christ wants us to have courage. I think Christ wants us to go. And, and yes, it can be overwhelming. Yes, it, it, it can be anti-Christian out there. Absolutely. But, but these, these illustrations of where Christ is like, hey, don't be afraid. Don't, don't set back and run for the hills, man. Let's engage. Let's be a blessing. Let's try to uh, touch people's lives. And, and part of this mentality is part of who Faithbrook is. I remember us um, moving into this building five years ago and we really took heart to that Acts 1-8 about, hey, uh, I want you to be my witnesses right here in your home area. And we looked around. It's like, how do we, how do, we do that? Uh, do we raise up our denominational flag? And, and do we raise the Bible and come to Facebook, the Bible? And these people rolling their eyes like, get away from that, creeper. Right, okay? But we can, we can bless the people by serving the people. So we went to the city of Dayton and said, hey, we're moving in your town. How can we be a blessing? And they, what can we do? And they said, well, we have some uh, parks that, that have a bunch of weeds. Would you be willing to, to pull weeds? We said, we're on it. Man, we scheduled a week in the summer, started pulling some weeds. They said, well, we're putting in a, a, a playground for a new development in our area. We would need some, some free labor, if you wouldn't mind. We got some men that would get out there, and we took poles and equipment and helped put that to, together and say, we're, we're not here to take from the city or condemn the city. We want to be a blessing for the city. We're going to help you out. Uh, there's been times in our in the last history that we want to be good neighbors, like the Eastman Nature Center. We went down there and said, hey, we're, we're neighbors now. How can we help you need anything? They said, well, we, we, we don't have the budget, but we'd like to have some microscopes. We're like, we're going to help you raise some money for some microscopes. And we, we held a silent auction. And the next year, they're like, well, we need some. We'd like to have, the, when the students come, this little device, these apps to identify trees and weeds and stuff and like we're on it and we raise money to to support Eastman Nature Center and say hey we want to be a good neighbor that's just part of who Christ is and Christianity and and in our past we'd like to pick up trash behind um, city parades uh, we went down to the local school Fernbrook a couple of years ago and said do you have any needs they said well we got this this courtyard's kind of overrun with all these bushes and leaves and stuff it's like we want to come down there and we ripped out all those bushes and and remulched it and it made it beautiful and and the next you were like, hey, your teachers need to be encouraged. So we asked you, the guys bring supplies, and we put together 45 different teacher appreciation bags, and when they showed up to school that fall, Facebook showed up, and we, we rolled in those um, teacher appreciation bags. They, they loved it. Uh, every year, we try to partner with Cross because they really uh, uh, know the pulse of people that have hunger needs, and we try to uh, give them food and donations. Uh, uh, two springs ago, um, there was a sister church down in St. Paul that's like, hey, we're going to do something for the homeless. 
We got a little backyard here, and we're going to sponsor four little tiny homes, and we're going to take homeless people and and help them, teach them to be responsible. They're going to get them off the streets in the cold, and they're going to have their own little tiny home right next to a little tiny home missionary. But we need some showers, and we need a community kitchen. We don't have the money, so we asked Faithwork, hey, would you be willing to donate some money so that church can re-outfit their little basement to get showers and, and and a kitchen? And you you gave generously, and by the way, there's been some hurdles to get through the city. I don't know if we want to have homeless in a church backyard. You know, you never know. But eventually, there's like we're going to give you, um, we're going to allow you to do that. So just the next month or so, these tenants are coming in. These little tiny homes is really a cool thing. But that's kind of been our heartbeat. It's like, hey, we, if Jesus was in the, the room, if Jesus is truly in Faithbrook, I, th- I think Jesus would not say, hey, we're just going to stay in these four walls, right? He'd be like, let's go. We're, we're going to the neighborhood across the street. We're going around, around the block. We're going to the Dayton trailer park. We're going to go and help find needs and hurt. They might not all be physical needs, but they're probably financial needs. It might be definitely some emotional needs and mental needs and family needs. Let, let's go. Let's get out and be the hands and feet. So, so we're learning that if we're going to make a local impact, we have to do more than just attend church. We have to be the church. It's more than just showing up and attending or watching online. It's like, hey, how can we mobilize to be uh, Jesus to our local area? And my friends, we have a wonderful opportunity Right here on, on this corner, as, as people are moving in, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, one of our staff members said that she got contacted by uh, a, a young mom. He said, hey, I'd like to come back to church sometime, but I have a child with special needs, and it's kind of delicate. And I was wondering, hey, would your church be okay with some of my kids? They have some special needs. Can, can you handle that? And, and we were, were fortunate to say, sure, we, we're going to do our best to handle that. Come. We want you to experience Christ. We want a volunteer back there that, that will love your child and keep them safe while you're, you're exploring and worshiping. Uh, there's other families that I've met that say, man, we just bought a house. And we came together, and mm, we haven't been to church in a long time, but now we're having kids, and we're exploring churches. And we think we'd like to uh, raise our kids the way we were raised, and we need a home church. What about Faith Broken? We sure. We're not going to be dogmatic about, man, you better do this or not. And, and some of them are like, man, are you like a political church? And Because maybe we might be on the other side of the aisle than you are. Is, is there any room for us? Are we going to be condemned and judged? No, we're not going to bring that up. You come and you listen about the love of Jesus. And how he wants to heal your heart and come into your heart. We, we've been partnering with a family lately that's like, man, I, we, need, we got some problems. Uh, we got some physical problems and some financial. And, and we're like, hey, we got a little budget line because the people of faith will give to that. That if there's a, a family in need in, in our community, we, we want to help out, especially locally. And, and we want to give you monetary uh, needs to help have you success and have some victories in your life. You're going to be hearing later this month about how we have an opportunity to bless foster kids and how foster kids have some needs and so how we can monetarily help them and bless them. But this month, we really are leaning into this backpack to give to families and kids that don't have the means. And I know a lot of us are like backpacks, man. I mean, I know in school supplies, every responsible family ought to get some pens and pencils. Can't they afford that and do that? Well, 
Some people we don't, might, we don't see can't. Uh, you might tour around the, the Dayton trailer park and realize, hey, these people, there's some poverty going on. There's people in the Maple Grove, Champlin area that are, that are in government housing. On the outside, they look fine. But on the inside, man, they don't have much at all. Let's say you have three or four children and you're trying to buy backpacks and, and school supplies. And at the same time, you're trying to fill up your, your SUV, your, your truck or whatever. And man, it's a lot of money to fill up the inflation and feed. And, and next thing you know, you, you got to. And so who could help? This is a great opportunity to take our loaves, to take our fish and to multiply them. And say, we're, we're going to make a difference. Instead of disengaging, right? Instead of uh, uh, running from difficult community, we can bless them and make a local impact. Not just attending church, but being a church by the specific item this month of school supplies and backpacks. Yes, it's very tempting to say with the disciples, hey, let's send them away. They can find their own food. They can buy their own school supplies, right? And Jesus said, no, you feed them. You engage them. You find ways to be a blessing. You find ways to be my reflection. You find ways to be my hands and feet. Yeah, but those people don't believe like we believe. He, I know. And a lot of times they don't live the same way. I, I, I know, right? But what they're going to see from you is your love. They're going to see me through your acts of kindness, your acts of charity, your acts of, of, of unity and in community to be a blessing. So where is the church today? You know, if you go to that Elm Creek dog park and see that plaque and you read the names and the history and the dates and, and, and there's that beautiful church, the picture of the beautiful church. And it'll say on there that this church was right across from the cemetery. Well, well you can look over and you can see the cemetery. It's still there. But the church is not there anymore. Well, what's there is new houses, development. And my soul, I'm, trying, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that, that's just a really clear picture of where the church is in America today. America, just, church has kind of been pushed out and more important to have development and affluence and things like that. And the church has lost influence, especially in the last 70 years in America. But the good news is that there are still churches and there are still new ones, and we are one of them. And we're fortunate to have this corner of Fernbrook and Elm Creek with hundreds of homes coming in where people are maybe not have physical ailments, but they have other challenges in their life. And Jesus says to Faithbrook, and Jesus says to you as the Christ follower, feed them. Well, we don't have very much. I know. Bring what you have. Let me be the blessing. Let me infuse it with my supernatural power to, to make a, a supernatural impact. And here at Faithbrook, we're determined the best we can to make a global impact, to make personal impacts, and especially make a local impact in our area. See, I believe collectively, unified, we can still be the best hope for America we can still be the best hope in our local areas. And we're not the only church. We're in community with several other churches in this, this area, these cities. that are like, man, we want to be on the front line because people are hurting out there. We want to be the hands and feet of Christ. Now, if this maybe motivates you, you're like, wow, I, I realize I, I got to be more than just attending church. I, I got to be engaged somehow. I got I to be the church. You're always welcome to 
uh, take one of our red cards in front of you and just kind of fill that out and give us your contact information. And one of our staff members will be following up with you about, hey, how you can partner with us to make an impact globally, uh, personally, and locally. Well, I would encourage you to uh, stand with me, and we're going to pause and pray before we go on this wonderful weekend. <clears throat> well, gracious God, we, we pray to you. Um, for many people, they believe that our country and our some societies in our land are afflicted, are up against it. We worry sometimes about our country and, and where it's heading and, and just the whole morality of it. <clears throat> and it's very tempting, Father, for us to just look away or condemn it. But this passage in this story tells us, God, that you want us to engage culture. You want us to engage a society with the good news and the love of Christ. I pray that you would give us all personal courage, God, to find ways where we can be a blessing and impact personally. Help us, God, to look beyond ourselves, to look around the world globally, uh, to partner with agencies and, and people to help um, um, touch and reach those people. And then specifically today, God, we think of our, our neighborhoods, our country, our state. We know that there are fractions and frictions, and, and we pray that there be a healing, God, and at the church, and especially our local church, if we can be any way a component of healing and unification and a blessing, help us to do that the best we can. But we pray for the future of America. We, we know our, our leaders in Washington, to our state, to our, our, our county, our, our city counselors, God, all need wisdom. They need direction. Um, they just need assurance from you, God, to work together for the best of mankind. Help us now, God, to, to be that salt and light as we go our way uh, to different areas. And we'll give you the praise and ask it in your name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. But God bless you. Thanks for attending and watching today. Have a fabulous 4th of July weekend. You're dismissed. <laughs>